Hi, everyone. You are in the game, a podcast about sports and business and the intersection of those two exciting fields. This is Vladimir Bosanets coming in from Seattle, Washington. I'm one of your co-hosts of the show, and I'm here with my good friend Anand. Anand is here. Anand Punjabi is here. Hi, everyone. This is Anand from London. It's great to be with you. You know, Vlad, we record this on Zoom or Google Meet sometimes, and you tell me you stay at home most of the time over the last 12 months, as most of us have done, but your hair is always perfectly coiffured. Isn't it? It is. so good, right? It is. And I'm trying to understand if all the barbershops and hair salons are closed, uh, is Heather's sort of second secret skill <laughs> hairstyling? It must be, right? So so in April of last year, one of the first purchases I bought on Amazon Prime was a pair of clippers. Okay. And I've been cutting my own hair ever since, Anand. If you can believe it, I actually did offer Heather to uh, cut my hair, and she quickly just basically said, no, I, I don't want to deal with that, because God forbid, if I do something, you're going to be, you're never going to forgive me. Oh, okay. So I have been cutting my own hair. Well, congratulations. Thank you for noticing. That, that is, Thank that, you for noticing. That, well, yeah, I, I do notice, because I was struggling for a haircut. And you know what? I had to call uh, the lady who cuts my hair. I had her number, and I said, listen, will you please come into my backyard? Just, you know, we'll put a chair out oh, there. there. you go. And there you bring you your clippers, and she did it. So I'm, I'm not... Nice. I don't have your skills, but uh, got it. Got yeah, the job nice. done. Yeah, it's an acquired skill. It's an acquired skill. I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. No, I'm, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll not. I'll not. Not going to do that for myself. So today's show, we have a fun show this week. We're going to figure out how uh, the NFL teams and maybe the players also are going to juggle what I think is a little bit of an unusual event. It's a drop in the annual salary cap. Uh, Vlad, you know a little bit yep. more about this. I think the team, team's got to figure things out. Yep. And then we're going to see how you can add $3 million to your income by moonlighting as an artist. You may be an, an elite <laughs> professional sportsman. Yeah, you have to be kind of famous, right, for that one? Yeah, I guess you have to be famous or not. I don't know. But uh, it seems it seems it's not it's not a lot of work to bump up your income by fairly significant numbers. numbers. So we're going to talk Patrick Mahomes and his NFT. And then finally, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who has a bumper big $340 million contract. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of arrived in an unusual way. Is is his contract going to be a template for more investment funds to speculate on uh, the future earnings of players? Vlad, shall we kick the show off? Let's get in the game, Anand. Let's do it. All right, Anand. So for the first story this week, this is one that I flagged, which was kind of interesting. As you mentioned, uh, we have this kind of unusual uh, thing happening where the salary cap in the NFL is actually shrinking. So between uh, last year and this year, it's going from 198, 198.2 million to 182.5 million. Yeah. This news right on the heels, as you remember, Anand, the NFL just signing these massive broadcasting deals. So they doubled their they doubled their money, and all this money, as we know, not all of it, but a big chunk of it's going to the ownership, right? So they squeeze the top line, and looks like they're squeezing the bottom line also here. Um, thoughts? What do you think about this? 
Well, that's just what a uh, smart money man CEO should be doing, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's one way to put it. <laughs> Stretching right? the okay. top line and, uh, and squeezing <laughs> down the minions, I guess. That's right. I guess it's going to be a short-term thing, though, right? Because as you've just said, there's this incredible bump up, this huge broadcast and media rights deal that's just been signed over a long period of time, 11 years, seems like a lifetime. But this, this decrease in salary cap, I guess it's going to be fairly short-lived. Is, is, is that a correct analysis? I don't know. Uh, you know, this is going to be interesting. You know, I, I don't know what kind of leverage a player's union will have when they sit at the table next. I don't know when their next meetings are supposed to be happening. But, but the point here also is that the league went long on essentially their contracts with the broadcasters, and they're kind of going short with, with some of these uh, – Salary caps. You know, the average uh, tenure in the NFL is like three point three years. It's pretty short. You're kidding. Lifetime. That's that's how long how long they play for an average player, oh, right? So, like, that. you know, even though we're kind of talking about this, like, you know, well, this may not be very long term for a big group of these players. Like, this may be it. They may not be around in five right, years right. when maybe the, the the new contract is negotiated. What's also happening at the same time here, Anand, is that. The floor of the cap, so the so so the minimum cap yeah. has actually gone up a little bit. Now it hasn't gone up as much as the top has gone down. Gone down. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so they're giving the players a little bit of extra juice there, but but not to the level that you know a higher cap could have been. And we're already seeing some of the consequences of this. Um, you know, some of the veteran players were were cut from teams. Right. And and I think you know it's kind of a funny sort of time. I would argue that will really probably shape how some of these conversations are going to go in the future. So what is the, what is the what are the ramifications? What is the fallout? You just said that some some veteran players have been cut. That happens every year, I guess. Maybe there's just sure. maybe just more of them now perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think the basic kind of analysis of this is that like I said earlier, right? If I mean, if you're a business, you just doubled your revenue starting, you know, a year and a half from now essentially, right? Yeah you've decreased your costs, that means your margin just went up. Yeah. So on a pure, very kind of simplistic basis, you know, the ownership is going to make more money. I guess that's okay, right? But at the same time, you know, you you kind of want to see some of this broadcast money uh, being spread out a little bit as well. Uh, COVID year was a, was kind of a tough year. And as you and I know, all of the guaranteed contracts for the players got paid. So they did okay, right. I would say, during, during COVID. Okay. The team's and the league hurt, you know, I don't think they lost money, but they made less money because they weren't able to, you know, sell as many jerseys or have people inside inside stadiums. But at the same time, some of those, you know, lower revenues are going to be spread back to the players also, right? Another thing that I kind of, and I'm always a little skeptical about these these things, but, but you know, to, you know, to be a cynic, you know, one other thing that I will bring up is um, the teams were allowed to roll over their cap from, you know, 2020 into 2021, and no one's talking about rolling the cap over, right? So even though they have that option... Again, full optionality on the ownership, less so on some of the other parties that are involved. Well, this is it. This is you mentioned this point about rolling over. If I'm not mistaken, the Patriots just went gung ho and they spent a huge amount of money. That's right. Right. A lot of money. That's right. So I think they cleaned out their. Uh, <laughs> I think they clear out the cap and essentially went really, really big. They had yeah. a gap from last year, like you said, and they they yep. had a decent gap from last year. So they've they've uh, they've got some fairly sizable contracts new contracts that have been signed. 
So yeah. some, someone's done okay, even though the cap is, uh, has been shrinking well, and shrunk this year. I think they have the options. I, th I think the point is that the optionality stays with the team, not maybe, not maybe as much with, uh, with, uh, with the rest of the folks that are involved in this ecosystem, if you will. I right? got you. So. I got you. Understood. Okay. Very good. So NFTs, Vlad, we have been talking about NFTs for a little while now. We think uh, yeah. we think we like NFTs as a concept. Everybody seems to know what they are now. Non fungible tokens. May, well, well pe people pretend. <laughs> I guess people are pretending they know uh, what they are, even if they don't. But then I guess that you could say that about many things in life. I suppose. Non fungible tokens, fungible tokens. Uh, you and I were talking about this offline. We're talking about digital art. We know yeah. that there's been some crazy sales in the recent times of digital arts by way of NFTs. And it seems, uh, hey, some NFL players are now digital artists themselves and and they're cashing in, they're jumping on this NFT bandwagon. We talked about Mike Winkleman, a digital artist. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you learned about uh, what Mike Winkleman's been up to recently? Yeah, Mike Winkleman, also known as uh, as Beeple, right? Beeple, Sold what a this guy. Uh, one JPEG, which is essentially a collection of his art over the last, I think, seven years or something for uh, $69 million. Mm. The whole NFT thing kind of really hit me uh, when I first learned about uh, Top Shot. I was really sort of surprised that this thing exist. It seemed like a very innovative way to kind of create cards and do stuff. But now you're seeing how this thing is really taking over in terms of um, different things that you can basically put on this platform and tokenize it effectively and make sure that it's, you know, unique yeah. and sell it as a as a very, you know, scarce, rare, rare item. And now Anand, we're seeing athletes are getting in on the action as well. Well, why not? I mean, everyone, everyone should get on it if they can, while the market's hot, I guess you know maybe this is yeah, a, right. Maybe this is the the tulip craze from the 1600s. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but Pat Mahomes and his team they they were quick to capitalize. He teamed up with a uh, London-based uh, digital design agency by the name of Impossible Brief. Now, to their credit, they've actually been working with famous musicians actors and other creatives so they're they're a reasonable outfit they know what they're doing and they created a set of digital art pieces for Mahomes and they went on sale by by auction at the uh, Maker's Place uh, website yep and fetched yep. nearly 4 million dollars 3.7 million dollars yeah, wow. so wow. Yeah. a single piece went for <laughs> nearly quarter million right and to be fair, this piece, okay, they actually had something fungible. You know, you got a 55-inch Samsung TV, so you can display this JPEG. <laughs> or maybe it's a GIF. I don't know. Maybe it's an MP4 file. And you got Mahomes to sign a T-shirt for you or sign a jersey. Right. And you got right. a jewel-encrusted helmet, some Swarovskis or something right. like that. Yeah. Is it a quarter of a million dollars worth? I'm not sure. But this is happening. You know, Rob uh, Gronkowski, he did something a little less elaborate. He created some digital trading cards. But he cleared nearly $2 million from this set as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, this is happening. I mean, it's very... It's very interesting. I think leagues are going to be all over this very, very soon. The NBA is already on top of it. I mean, kudos to them for really coming up with uh, with with their Top Shot product and kind of innovating and launching that. I mean, effectively out of out of no nowhere almost, yes. right? And I 
you know, would be a hundred, I would bet anything that the NFL is already working on something. I'm sure Major League Baseball, when you think about trading cards, you usually think about baseball cards anyway. So I can Correct. imagine th- those guys are all over it. And I'm sure all the other leagues and teams and, and I'm sure, you know, guys like Mahomes, I mean, think about this, like, isn't this crazy? Like over the last six months, we've gone from this never existing to, you know, a sale of art costing $69 million. Yeah. And now you have a, you know, a top quarterback out of, you know, Kansas City working with a London agency. I mean, isn't that, isn't that, a, that's just incredible, right? And I just think we're going to see more of this kind of stuff too, right? Well, I, I don't know how, how long it's going to last. I mean, how, how does, how does a JPEG sell for $70 million? And, there has to be another sucker willing to pay more for to increase <laughs> well, in value, right? Well, I mean, well, I think, I, I, and I think this is, um, you know, Beeple has actually gone on on air and he's talked about this with with you know several people. And one of the things that he talks about, you know, in in his interview is that you know there is going to be, you know, we're kind of this crazy phase where everybody's sort of, you know, crazed over it, and this is all they're talking about. But at some point, there will be art or you know whatever you want to call this thing, whose value is going to go down to zero. It'll be just worthless. And that's going to happen. What is interesting about this, and he talks about this also, is is how the whole digital aspect of sort of this art allows this art to evolve even and, and live in a different form. So if you think about a JPEG, you know, you can blow it up. You can you can sort of, you know, superimpose the image on different things. You can sort of continue using it in a, yeah. in a certain way effectively, yeah. right? Whereas if you buy, a, a, you know, a painting from, you know, somebody, right? Like, you know, Picasso, it just sits there, right? That, that piece of art, you know, just, you know, decays over time. And so, you know, that that is an interesting aspect of what you can potentially do with this thing. The other aspect of it is, is it opens up the bidding for this to to a lot more people. And as we learned in our conversation with Joe Pompliano last week, you know, he basically said, you know, the minute you introduce more players into kind of an auction style thing, the, the value just goes up, right? And and I can see, you know, players essentially using this as another way to, you know, monetize their um, popularity, right? Well, players for sure, they've already demonstrated it. And uh as we alluded to earlier, the NFL, you know, they're they're not going to miss out. They've already formed no, a blockchain no. committee. There you go, <laughs> made up of some of the top owners. Uh, Cubans involved: Joe Ty, uh, Ted Leonsis, T. Pagliuca, Ryan Sweeney, uh, Vivek uh, Ran Ran Ranadive, Ranadive. So, so they they they're talking about it, you know, in an yeah. official capacity yeah. now. Much yeah. to come, I think. Much to come from uh, from NFTs. A hundred percent. Yeah. One of the interesting things that's coming out of this thing is so ownership of not just like, you know, JPEGs or assets like that, but also moments. And I think Top Shot kind of proved the value there is that if if you were at a game, if you saw something happen and now you can own that moment and share that moment, share that experience with other people, that is really interesting as kind of a product, if you will. I think that's a cool idea. Because back in the day, you can just tell your buddies how you saw this amazing goal when you went to watch, you know, Liverpool play, but now you can actually show it, right? You can super, and, superimpose and that, yourself that onto that. Exactly. That, that yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. 
Vlad, tell us about uh, Mr. Tatis Jr. and what. Yeah, uh, what's so this is our third story. Again, big numbers, big numbers being thrown around everywhere. Uh, but this one really caught my eye, and I did, didn't. I kind of forgot about baseball for a while here. We haven't talked about it in so long. But uh, San Diego Padres signed uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. $340 million over 14 years. That comes to about $24 million per year. I don't know how exactly that gets paid out, but that's 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 the average. Yeah. This is a massive dollar amount. To my surprise, it wasn't the largest, actually third largest. Yeah, sure. Uh, in the last couple of years, looks like uh, there were a couple of other deals. So Mike Trout signed a deal with the Angels in 2019, $426.5 million for 12 years. And then Bryce Harper, 13-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, also in 2019, for $330 million. 330 is less than 340 but he's got a year less than uh, what uh, Tatis has, right? Yeah. But Tatis is 22. Yeah. So 14-year deal. Uh, again, we were talking about the average length of somebody's uh, you know career in baseball. It's about 5.6 years. They're betting with somebody to stick around for 14 years. What do you think, Anand? Well- whether he sticks around or not, he's not going to be earning all of that, as we know, because this deal has he's got to pay off That's right. some of this money. I mean, he's been uh, he's been fronted from what is the name of this organization? Big League Advance. That's right. So that's another part of this whole kind of deal and why yeah. this made Soto news also this is, is this that- This is what's unique about it, I think. This is what's really unique about it. And the reason we're bringing this up, not just to talk about how much you know Fernando Tatis is going to make, but there's an entity that who actually- Who else is going to make off, off yeah, this, Yeah, exactly. Guess, who else right? is going to profit off of this? Yeah. So five years ago, when he was 17, playing in the minors, uh, this company essentially approached him and paid him something, yeah. uh, we don't know how much, in return for his future earnings. Yeah, maybe someone can tell us how much. I'd love yeah, to hear yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit us well, up on the maybe Twitter, somebody let us, can tell us. Yeah. That's right. So Big League Advance uh, uh, CEO is Michael Schwimmer, who himself uh, used to be a pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. He formed this entity, essentially, that goes to these young players who are, at this moment, you know, nobodies, right. and is effectively saying, hey, we'll give you some money now, and you're going to give us a portion of your um, income later. This is not a novel concept. This is what venture capital firms do. Yeah, this is we are just investing. now seeing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. This is now we're 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 you know just seeing this exhibit itself through through the sort of athlete income. What's also interesting about this is that they raised about twenty six million dollars back five years ago, and they distributed across seventy seven players. Usually the deal sounds like it's somewhere between 1% and 10% of future earnings. Right. It sounds like the model is along the lines of, you know, we'll give you 100, 100 grand for 1%, we'll give you 500 grand for five, or we'll give you a million bucks for 10. We don't know, like I said, how much they gave to Tatis, but if if it was, let's say 5%. Take the average, and, yeah, take the middle. Yeah, let's take the average. If it was 5%, yeah, so that's a if lot. they gave him 500 grand, that 5% would now translate into $17 million. So a nice return. Well, it's a nice return, but, you know, they, as you said, there's a little bit of a scattergun approach. Now, we know, you know, they are an analytics company. Everyone's using analytics. They are. That's right. And, yep. and baseball is a sport that obviously lends itself very well because you can measure in very defined ways uh, all kinds of player movements, you know, how far they throw the ball, how quickly they run, 
you know, how many base hits they get, you know, how many extra innings, they, how many extra bases hits they get, that type of thing. So they are using their stats and they have done some analysis and they've decided to place bets on certain players by offering them money up front. They raise this money. This is this is effectively early stage angel mm-hmm. investing. You know, you're, That's right. you're That's going exactly to throw right. money at, at companies or startups, people at early stages of their careers who you think will do well who look like they may do okay but you know you know out of out of a hundred bets you know 90 will lose money five you will make a little bit of money four you'll do very well and you'll have one unicorn right that's right that's exactly right this is kind of the principle that they're adopting here vlad you you told me uh that they've actually raised more than that 26 million now and that's right. More, so, more, more, they're going after more players now, right? Yeah. So that first round of 26 million, which got them to about 77 players, looks like they've raised another 130. So in total, 156. And they've uh, apparently are working with 344 players. Right. I don't know if it's just uh, baseball. If you know, they 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 haven't been very open about that, right? You know, even though this is an interesting kind of novel on the fringe kind of thing. I can see this, you know, being a bigger deal, especially as name, image, and likeness becomes an issue or is not an issue anymore with with the NCAA in the future. I wonder if you're going to see firms like this establish themselves even earlier and go after, you know, high school kids and college kids and sort of try to kind of monetize their potential future earnings. They've got uh, big name money behind the, you know, behind the activity here. You know, mutual fund manager Bill Miller is part of the organization. Uh, Goldman Sachs partner Stephen Dunker is part of it. Okay. Marvin Bush, who's the brother of former President George W. Bush. You know, so they've got some, you know, serious kind of folks looking at this stuff. And I looked on their website, you know, the, the list of employees. It's all data scientists. Sure. This is this right. is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. Get your kids studying uh, data science. <laughs> get your get your kids exactly, and 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 learn Python, right? Isn't isn't that what we talked about yeah, yeah. with with our data scientist interview the other day? I've also heard on on so this kind of got me how I got into into this is I was watching one of the NBA games recently, and somebody during the broadcast actually said that LeBron James did something similar, where he has sold his name and image to a company something like 49%. I haven't been able to validate this anywhere. I don't know if it's true, but it was mentioned during this you know, broadcast. So what he received so in it's advance? Interesting. He received yeah, that he advance. received some money in advance and then right. they will own 49% or whatever percent of his name, image, and likeness, future future earnings when he retires or something like yeah, that. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. Why would LeBron, who is the biggest in hoops today, give up such a large chunk i mean why can he not manage himself he seems to be a really smart guy we talked about him investing into fsg and all that sure i i get the principle i do get the principle about you know how you might wish to take take a bigger chunk up front and and return for for less payout down the line i would say sometimes it's access it's access to these kinds of businesses right so in the future maybe he can participate as an investor also right yeah, i could see him investing certainly yeah yeah, exactly. And and you know, he's talked about he's talked about forming a league or forming some kind of a, you know, training or kind of, you know, G League sort of competitor sort yeah, of deal, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this could be part of that, right? right? And he's maybe just trying to figure it out. Uh, but it is interesting and I and I think that it sounds from what uh Big League Advance is doing, we're going to see more players in this space. It will be interesting. It will be interesting. Yeah. We got to keep an eye on yeah. that one. For sure, for sure. 
So Anand, that's it. That's it for our show. Thank you for listening. Please follow our show on any app where you get your podcasts. Tell your friends and family about us. And if you'd like to get in touch, please connect with us. Our contact information is in the show notes. Anand, good game. Very good game, Vlad. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will catch you early next week with uh, part two of our show with uh, Joe Pompliano. Have fun, guys. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. We know that if you're listening to this show, we know that you know how to subscribe to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends and your family about us. And if you'd like to get in touch, please connect with us. Our contact information is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. We'll be in the game with you in a few days with our new episode.